take a sweet. Mm, it's almost that time. Take yeah, man, the Swig Podcast, man. Yeah, we gotta tune in. Man, let me grab this beer right quick, man. Yeah, let me get my drink ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shoot, man. They be talking about all types of stuff on the man, the loggers, the man. There's some beers I ain't never even heard of on there. We about to learn about them, though, shoot. What's up, world? It's your boy Kramer, aka the Bearded Brother, back at it again with another episode of the Swig Podcast. And of course, by my side, I got Shani Hadia, the marvelous gift in the building. What up, people? Kramer, tell the people what you're drinking today, man. Yeah, I got this uh, Orpheus Brewery. Uh, I saw myself when I was real. It's a bourbon barrel aged stout that's at 12.7%. Let's see how this. It's, it sounds like some, um, <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds like some strong ass beer, like something you really gonna, you gonna really, uh, think about, you know, going to yes. thought while drinking it. Yeah. This is a sipping beer for sure. This is not something you go out and try to party with. You're going to embarrass yourself out here in the streets drinking this. So, so is it boozy? It's really boozy? Yes, it tastes just like they poured it right out the barrel for me right now. It's, but it's delicious though. Okay, so, okay. I'm not mad about that. So, <laughs> what you both drinking of on? my beers are a little, both of my beers are a little um, interesting to say. So my first one about perennial artesian ales or artisan ales, however you say it. Um, Cezanne Delice. It's a Belgian style ale brewed with chamomile flowers. And I'm gonna just Ooh. be all the way honest. I wanted to, um, when I was at the uh, beer store, I kept seeing this can. And I was like, damn, that's a pretty can. But it was a Saison and I had to buy like a four pack of it and I just wasn't interested in committing. I went to Craft Brewed and they had a single can. I was like, I gotta get it. So here we Shout are. Shout out to Craft Brew, man. They'd be saving you on the singles. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So this, um, that is a Belgian style. Yeah. Well, you know what? It says Saison Delice. I don't think it's a Saison. It's just the name. Mm. That's not tart. That's not, it's a Belgian style L. So that's what it is. Huh, mm. I have to do some research on that one. I like it though. It's very light. It's a light uh, Belgian. Yes. While we're talking about beers, we have uh, two people here joining us for a conversation on intersectionality. The topic of the show is black and blank because there are more, um, we are not a monolith, right? And there are, there's more to a black person than just being black. There's more than one fight that we're out here fighting. There's more than one experience that we're out here experiencing. So we wanted to bring on two individuals that could enlighten us to their, um, whether they consider them struggles or obstacles or lives or lifestyles, um, however you want to classify it, at the end of the day is their lived experiences. And um, we're happy to have them on the tell their story and just talk about, like I said, intersectionality and what that means to us. <laughs> so um, we'll start with Trey, if you want to introduce yourself, tell the people a little, a little bit about you, what you're drinking and um, how, how you came to maybe 
learn about craft beer, like craft beer, whether you like it, give us some information on your craft beer experience too. That's what's up. What's happening? I'm trained. Uh, right now, I just, I just killed the Terrapin Hopsecutioner. I hopped, yeah, Hopsecutioner. Now I'm on this uh, scarf law. It's called uh, the basement, Paul. I'm citrus taste to it. It's like 7.5%. Um, the brewery is here in Atlanta. Um, I had to go to the white side of town to even get all these beers because they don't really sell them in our stores or we're on this side of Atlanta. But, I'm tell them about uh, that, man. Uh, yeah, right. So that was a struggle. But um, yeah, so now it's really good. I, I think my first you know, introduction to beer was just um, just a drink, you know, drink drink to feel something. So, you know, of course, doing the, the Coronas, the Heinekens, um, I think what really changed my taste in beer was, uh, was uh, what was that, the orange? It was the orange, you, and you put the orange slice on it. Blue Moon. Blue Moon, <laughs> there you go. Challenger. Um, I think Shop Top was the other one, right? Kind of similar. That's how I got started. So, so that's when I just, you know, really didn't really drink anymore, just those regular beers. Um, but it's been more so recently. I'm a tequila drinker, but it's been more so recently. Um, and I just can't go hard as I used to. So it's just, it's always just refreshing to just, you know, have a couple beers, man, to sip on. And um, so I just kind of look for taste. Um, I guess my preference is, preference is usually IPA. You know, um, my guy. Yeah, and I just I went wrong with that, and so um, just anytime, so I just try to try, you know, try new stuff whenever I can. Daiquiri, we're gonna kick it over to you. Tell the people what you're drinking about your craft beer experiences and such. I'm drinking sweet water, um, the 420 strain. This is the mango Kush wheat ale. It's um, five percent alcohol and. Um, it's really good. I don't know a lot about beer. I know that I like craft beer. Um, I'm really a wine drinker, but I run a um, a monthly LGBTQ meetup group, and we um, go to different breweries within uh, within the, uh, the city. And that's how I really got started. I um, also like IPAs, Trey. Um, <laughs> pretty much. I'm a lower ranger here. I'm a stout porter guy, like number one. <laughs> I respect IPAs, so I want to put it out there. I ain't going to slander them. I respect the good IPA, though. Uh, stouts. Nobody warned me about IPAs, though, when I first started. So I just thought they were just like a regular beer. So I just I ordered it, and I liked it. And I was just throwing them back. And the next time I knew, I was gone. I was like, <laughs> I like twerking. It was just like, <laughs> yeah. Beer will do that. <laughs> people don't even know i mean it take a it take a lot of like the cheaper beer you know your bud lights you're gonna have to get like a good six of them in you to really start filling them but like two good craft beers you like you know what i, I feel real nice that third one i'm gonna sit down that third one becomes up for anybody anything <laughs> it depends on what what gravity Right. ABV. So, <laughs> um, you know, how are y'all dealing with all of the, you know, well, we're kind of opening back up. Trey, I know you were on the move a little bit. You in the A right now? Yeah, I'm in, I'm, I'm in Atlanta. Um, 
I just went to Tennessee for a second to, so my son could spend some time with, with his mother's side of the family. And they up there in Nashville. Well, okay. Pat, yeah, down there in Kentucky. So they in Clarksville by the base. Yeah. And um, and so, yeah, so cool. I spent the weekend up there. Um, but yeah, back here in Atlanta, working from home. Um, but I actually go into the office because no one's there. So I just feel like I, still, I can get more done in the office without any distractions and having to, uh, you know, do some people. You know, so. And trying to figure it out at home. Yeah, indeed. I'm good with the house, man. I'm staying in that thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm good with the house, too. So I just got on a work-from-home position. So the crib it is for me. I've been out in the streets too long, working at Whole Foods, dealing with people, not wearing masks, not know how to follow directions. I'm good on that. <laughs> Crazy. It is crazy. We never really closed down. Like they are in these streets. No, they, we never closed down. They try to say we did. We did. Yeah. How y'all cases? I think, I think the country, I mean, for what we're known for, the country definitely shut down like at one point. Now, staying shut down, I mean, there was a lot of movement. There's a lot of movement parts to this country. So I feel like us going in full, you know, tumbleweed going through the street is damn near impossible but though the deer the animals life was coming out they were like oh wait no humans right yeah i'm here for this oh yeah we can run around without getting hit by nothing (laughs) not by nobody good (laughs) we are the problem yes Decory, how you um how you holding up with social distancing and all of that good stuff I'm doing pretty well. I already worked from home, so that wasn't like a big change, but my son is four, so having him here now has been very interesting. (laughs) I hear I'm bored and I'm hungry like a thousand times a day, but I'm just adjusting to life, like, because, you know, I'm usually not used to having like a lot of events and things I do in the community and everything is switched to a virtual platform now, so that's been a big adjustment, not seeing people face to face but yeah i'm getting used to it now (laughs) yeah we um we've had to of course change the podcast to a more virtual setting i'm ready to get back around the table and have people over i mean ready but not you know what i'm saying (laughs) like not yet but um but i did have a nice gathering a nice bottle share the other day that was really um, a good time. Daiquiri, you came through on there. Um, I'm sad I missed that, man. It looked like it was a blast out there. Yeah, it was It was some good beer. Um, it was a lot of people's first experience at a bottle share. Um, oh. It was my first time throwing one, and really my second time being at an actual bottle share. And I, I'm not counting the uh, bottle releases that the breweries have. They're usually There's usually a bottle share um in line while you wait so you come and two hours before i mean some people depending on what beer it is or what brewery it is people come hours before and they bring a couple of beers an ice chest uh some food and it just they share it you get you bring your cup and you you're there trying several different beers so it's a really good experience and um one of the best, I guess, line bottle shares that I would say I was a part of 
was the bearded iris um the bearded iris really no i'm sorry yeah bearded iris anniversary party that's what it was their anniversary party they had a, a bottle release and anniversary party so you had to wait in line for the bottle release and it had a like the table snaked i mean the line snaked through tables and on the table were just beers just several beers so i'd already polished some and say and shared some because i brought some out that day with some of my um line neighbors but once we got to the line and with the tables i was like oh in heaven like oh look at what is this beer what is what is this beer so that was um that was fun so that night um so friday was reminiscent of that and i'm ready to throw my next one and i'm trying to decide if i'm gonna keep it as a as a, a niche like a nice like let's keep a sour let, let's do sours this time or um stouts this time to share but um really it was just an opportunity to get together and social be socially distant in the backyard and just shit drink beer with people uh, outside of my household right. <laughs> right that's why i was kind of mad i couldn't make it i'm here in atlanta with my mom um for the week so i left that friday and i was like we ended up actually leaving on the fourth and pardon me on friday when we were getting prepared to leave i was like i should pop over that but things I realized things we needed to do beforehand, and then next thing I know, it's 10 p.m. I'm like, well, we don't miss. I was like, let me just get prepared to go to Atlanta. Yeah, by that time <laughs> but, it was uh, like it was a good and faded situation. By that time, I was. I feel like yeah. I drank a lot of beer in a short amount of time. Mm -hmm. So that's usually how it goes. So, um, did y'all go to? Have y'all been participating in any of the um, the protests? I've been to two. I went to um, a Black Lives Matter march, and then I went to um, a vigil for um, Tony McVeigh, which he's a trans man that was killed like two days after George Floyd. Yeah. But, um, I heard about that. Yeah. But Matt, have y'all felt comfortable? What about you, Trey? I'm sorry. Have you have you been to the protest? Yeah, I did. Matter of fact, I ran into your brother and sister. Um, when they were out there handing out masks. Okay. Um, it was the weekend right after, um, um, you know, George Floyd was murdered. Um, it was cool. On the front lines of that one, they were all in the face of the cops yelling yeah. at them. Like, <laughs> my sister-in-law crazy. I mean, yeah, it was definitely um, something different. And to see the, the large amount of just white people out there surprised me. Um, I mean, Same here in Nashville. Really? Yes. I mean, it was just crazy. We we had a group, of maybe about a thousand people, marching up Peace Tree, and then we run into a, a group. We we're walking, we're marching to Buckhead from downtown, and then we run into a whole group of might have been three thousand white people marching from Buckhead to downtown. So wow. We crossed them, and you know, everyone was kind of like you know taking pictures, but it was just, I mean, it was just amazing to see. You know, it's not just us, you know, because it's it's always been just us, you know. Yeah, and definitely a majority of us. Right. We definitely took for our voices to be heard, you know, because, but now they were forced, not that they forced to hear, because they've been hearing us. They forced to give a response to let you know that they they see what's going on. Right. That's what's going on. Exactly. 
So mm-hmm. part of me, you know, you know how you like maybe watching TV and you turn in the channel and something comes up. I mean, you hear like a, you pause for a second or whatever on the station and you hear like a little clip of whatever's going on, but you keep going. You like, eh, I ain't gonna worry about it. I'm not going back. That's how I feel like they treat black lives and like the things that we are yelling about on a, on a day-to-day basis, a consistent basis. Mm-hmm. They can keep going past the channel. Now that life has stopped or paused, they had no choice. Like it paused and the, the station was just there. It's like your batteries went dead in your remote. There was no turning it. No, you can't go to sports and, and watch that. The news talking about right. it too. No, ain't no TV shows on right now. Like, Even the TV stations talking about it. Nickelodeon did something for George Floyd for the kids. Yeah, they sure did. It was like, if you not, if you turn to cartoons, they're going to do something at the commercials. And it's funny because some of my white co-workers at Whole Foods I work at, they're like, man, the world's on fire. I'm like, nah, to be honest, the world's always been fi- on fire. Y'all just decided now to see the flames. Right. Yeah. Black folks, we've been seeing these fireballs. Y'all might have saw some embers, thought they were embers, and you opened that door. It's like, just this ball of fire just hitting you in the face. Now you have to like see it and deal with it. And some people, it's too high for them. So they're like, I don't know what to do. Like I keep hearing that in conversations like amongst like white people. Like, I just don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I'm like, just relax. Listen to the black folk that you may or may not know and follow what they have to offer you. And then you'll be fine. Help us to put these flames out now. That's what we need you to do. Stop sitting here and looking and do something. I can say I haven't really had any conversations with white people. I real, I mean, not in outside of like more business related um, in relations to craft beer, but not just um, doing any emotional labor that I haven't put on myself. And when I say put on, I haven't put on myself is because I'm in the comment section of the news articles <laughs> going off. Big Looking like that, uh, <laughs> that Kermit. That Kermit. That's just <laughs> five o'clock in the morning. I'm like, yo, I could, okay, I gotta, I gotta save myself. What are you doing? Why are you starting your day? I gotta like, go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> Let me go on sleep. <laughs> you know, right. one thing I've been seeing consistently, of course, well, you know, a lot of co- uh, counties and are trying to mandate the mask, and so people are hella upset about having to wear a mask and they keep you know and then they don't want to wear mask. they want to go to the bars they want to hang out they but they don't want to wear masks and they're upset about the protest and it's like y'all are y'all out here protesting and you know we can but we can't go to the bars first off we protest it's a constitutional right one. right we're protesting for our lives the bar is not of an essential part of your life. Mm-hmm. Then second, I felt hella comfortable because I want to say maybe 95% of people had on masks at protests. Yeah. Yeah, um, I don't think I even saw like 10 people with masks on the two protests I went to and there's thousands of people. I don't think I even saw 10 people without masks. Yeah, I mean, you know what? I say 95 because I, I didn't want to just, like I like to give a little cushion, but I really like, it was much more, I, I did not feel uncomfortable. So if there was somebody with a mask, it was not, it wasn't, um, 
it wasn't the standard, right? And then you had people at the protest handing out masks. You had people coming around and handing out sanitizer. I bet you those clubs do not have a sanitizer, girl. The bottle girl is not coming through with sanitizer. <laughs> She's still trying to- Or masks. Right, not only when you first come in where they would have the sanitizer, but as you're walking along the route, it was, you know, people walking with sanitizer to hand to you or a mask or medics or water or whatever. So, I mean, I felt totally safe. I did too. Like, and I'm like, deathly, I was definitely paranoid of the mm-hmm. virus when it first started. And I, I almost didn't, for a small split second, I didn't feel like the virus was around anymore, just for a small second. And then you look yeah. around and really like dissect everything. You're like, oh shit still in a pandemic but like i was able to suspend that fear for a second and just be in the moment yeah Mm -hmm. well you know it kind of gets back into the whole thing of like you're sitting at home and you're watching things play out on tv first i mean with george floyd's death and everything that's coming with that and you want to address it but then you're nervous about covid right and then you sit there and you try to think like well, I could die from COVID or I could die from the hands of the, pol- of the police. I can't fight COVID. I can swing in the air like a mug, but I ain't going to hit nothing. But fighting the police is a tangible thing that I can do. And fighting police brutality. I mean, not fighting police. Ain't nobody trying to square up with the police. <laughs> Swing on a police officer for no reason. Now, yeah, we no, nobody's not endorsing that. that people on this podcast. We don't condone <laughs> swinging on police officers, mm-hmm. right? No. Yeah, you don't have to. Let me stop recording real <laughs> quick to tell you that I might be. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but you know, there's it's it's like you just want to get out there and just participate, and so. I could not sit home and I said, let me mask up. You know, I still tried to keep my distance while I was out there. I came home, I showered, washed my hands, avoided my face, you know, everything that you're supposed to do. And that was the, that's the best thing that I could do. But, but again, that was for our lives, right? Right. It's not me sitting in the club because I want to like jam out and go to happy hour. I miss happy hours. Mm-hmm. I do too. I ain't gonna say it until you know why. <laughs> I mean, you, I, I, I'm down to hit a socially distant happy hour, but you know these numbers are rising, guys, and I'm just like, maybe we need to stay home again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> are y'all starting to feel like that at all? I am, as I see, as um. As I see, I watch CNN like all the time, but as I see the map of the United States and it's like the majority, with the exception of like maybe four states, we're either holding steady or everybody's rising. Like Tennessee is in the red right now. It's it's scary. And so, yeah, I I definitely like, I'm just like, because I'm guilty of when stuff started opening up, I did go give me something to eat. (laughs) (laughs) Me and my girlfriend did the same thing, but we did pick up and ate outside. We didn't yes. We ate on there. If they had a patio, we went to the patio. Yes. And we sat out there with our mask on, unless we had to eat something, took a mask off, ate, put it right back on. Right. <laughs> Taking no chances. 
I can say that the restaurants that we went to, they were really following like the all the um all the employees had masks on, they had gloves, like the we were spaced probably more than six feet apart. It was, you know, um plastic utensils, um mm-hmm. temporary um or disposable menus, like everything. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I say the same. Um it's like that here, but it's just I said a lot of things just didn't close or people just hitting and waiting for things to open up. So the club's been open about a month now. Folks are back in the clubs. I mean, they put yeah. a, a compound, they put a pool, they built a pool inside the club. I, I, saw, I saw that. I did not think that was real. I was like, first yeah. of all, like, this can't be real. And I saw a dude almost powerbomb a poor girl into the pool. Yeah. In the pool. Like, they were wilding out, wilding out, no masks in sight. In it, none of that. Um, strip clubs open. Um, they've been open probably all. I think everything's been open, wide open since the morning, um, and even before that, a lot of styles. Um, and unfortunately, like I just noticed on the, the black side of town, you know, um, I went to when I went to go pick up these beers in Buckhead uh, yesterday evening after work. They wouldn't let you inside of the Kroger without a mask on. So it was just, you know, it's just a difference with how, you know, people are treating it too. But I guess black people, we've been through so much. We like, oh, shit, COVID ain't shit. We do, we, we've been going through shit our whole life. You know what I mean? So right. Yeah. You, you know, so it's just kind of like, you know, but I stay, I, I, I stay away. I stay away from everyone. Um, even with going to the protest, I went there to, I went there initially just to people watch. I haven't even, I, did, I didn't even watch the video at first because I just couldn't bring myself to watch it. After I haven't watched the video. So I'll be watching the video. I, I forced myself so. because I felt like he deserved that. He went through it, so the least I could do is watch it. You know, I don't. Shouldn't have had to go through it, so. I showed on TV. I feel what you're saying. Would you say, Decker? They showed, because I didn't want to watch it. I said I wasn't going to watch it, but I was watching the news and they showed it, and that, I ended up watching it. Yeah. yeah. Such a tragedy. But I, like think, I, said- uh, I noticed, I came up with it, you know, Philando Castile, um, his, uh, I think to this week, I don't remember the day, so forgive me, but um, the day of his shooting was, if not today, it was around this time last year. I mean, I'm sorry, in 2016. And that is probably the last video that I watched. Mm-hmm. I haven't like it, it's, just, it's emotionally taxing, and I don't need the video to uh, to make clear of like that justice needs to be served and they need to stop killing us. Like I don't need the video to for, to fight for that. Right. You know, everybody else might need. Not everybody I understand. Like, but a lot of people might need the video. I don't. I know that it exists. I know that it happens. And um, that's all I need to show up. <laughs> right. I get it. I, I get it. on that. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah, I know it's not necessarily good for, for our mental health, you know. Uh, no, it's not. That is, it's stressful. That's why I have to check myself every morning. I'm like, waking up and going into the angry mode in the comments is not helpful and not just, healthy for your day, girl. You can't just be going yeah. off like that. <laughs> right. The same thing. I try not to. Not to cut you off. Go ahead, Dr. I was going to say, I, I do the same thing and it feels like like 
every single white person that I know, like, text me, like, all the time, like, are you okay? Are you okay? Like, how are you doing? I'm just like, stop asking me that. <laughs> they see you going off in the messages or something? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I do wonder how many people have seen my comments in, you know, because they show your friends' comments. I saw that today. <laughs> of me? Yeah. It was, it was the lady who um, got fired. The lady, um, um, she was saying that um, white lives are better than black lives. The one in Tennessee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was at a protest in like West Tennessee or East Tennessee. East Tennessee, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And she was white lives matter, white lives matter more than blacks, or white lives are better than blacks, something like that. Yeah. And so people are just, you know, hella bold. <clears throat> hella bold. And you have, you know, <laughs> you have situations where, like, I wanted to, like, I just want to fight people, you know, I'm like, let's square up instead. Like, Right. Meet me over here and we can just duke it out. We'll just see. I like even if I get my ass whooped, let me just go ahead and, and see. Don't bring no guns. Bring these. But let's just let's just fight. Cause I know you you're not about that life for real. So, you know, um <laughs> man, they be rolling me up, y'all. That's why I'm I'm trying to sit here like no, I try to me. I'd be trying to check myself too, then I, today, I don't know what it was. I saw something on Shawnee's post. She tagged me in something. I popped off. I was like, today's today. All right. Like, um, I've been doing my best on social media. Not I was like, cause I ain't the one for trick, trick, like Twitter fingers. But today, I was like, something about this dude. That's right. You, I, you, uh, it was Lamar post, Trey. Oh, Lamar's people. It was, yeah, it was one of Lamar's posts. So we're going to have him on the on the podcast talking about toxic masculinity. masculinity oh, yes. so. okay. Or his feelings, the lack thereof. That's going to be a good conversation. Like I said, I was like, um, I was like, I grew up with him, man. That's my little, one of my little bro's best friend. He got me fired up in midday today. Yeah. I was like, I'm, I got to go to work. Just popping off on people and talking to other people at the same time. I'm the same way. I used to spend the first hour of my day at work just going through Facebook comments, the news sections, and now I realize I was mad for the rest of the day. I was like, ah, let me. I just left it alone. I left it alone, man. I just mm-hmm. wasn't conducive to you know what I was doing. I need to get. I need to get back into my reading when I first wake up. At least let me read about 30 minutes and then then I can get into you know I can get on Facebook and start going off at least I've had some intelligence like implanted (laughs) before I go off on the ignorant people but as we (laughs) as we're talking about um going off on ignorant people and having to fight for our rights and um different aspects it's a good segue to jump into intersectionality and kind of the the crux of the conversation um as i before i head over to that has anybody moved on to the next beer not yet i'm still working on my bottle i'm still sitting okay me too i thought i thought i might have been the slow one 
Why am I the only one on my second? Hmm? I said, why am I the only one on my second? I'm running my mouth. Don't. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I'm, drinking, I'm drinking 12.7%. Yeah, I got to pace myself. You definitely I'll be out here embarrassing us all on this episode of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it had to happen. And I got another one waiting that's hitting at like 8 or 9%. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on my second too, though, Daddy. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, this is a twelve percenter. I got an imperial stout next, so Ooh, yeah, you might. Oh, I do have one of those downstairs. Thank you. You say what, Decker? You want one of those? I said I have one of those downstairs. Um, an imperial stout. Mm-hmm. See, you like imperial stout, you do. I knew there was hope for y'all somewhere. I was, I was holding out hope. I was holding out hope. <laughs> so, I wanted to um, give a definition of intersectionality for the listeners and um, just to, you know, when we talk about it, this is, this is what we mean. So it refers to the interaction between gender, race, and other categories of difference in individual lives, social practices, institutional arrangements, and cultural ideologies, and the outcomes of these interactions in terms of power. The, um, for example, being a woman and black, do, do not exist independently of each other, and each informs um, informs the other. And there's multiple forms of systemic uh, discrimination that block people from uh, realizing equal opportunities in the U.S. It's never just as easy as um, I'm black, and I I think people fail to realize that, especially for certain demographics some people have less um less to consider but at the same time again i i people are complex and um things intersect and affect each other each other in different ways so um i would like to know you know your stories like why are you here on the podcast Dacker, we'll go over, uh, we'll start with you. Give a little background of yourself. Well, I am, um, I'm here. Well, before I start, uh, I took a quiz, like an interesting quiz about intersectionality. Oh um, yeah, share it with us, please. Just um, see where I felt like And it said that I was um, more privileged than 22% of others. And um, it just asked questions like, um, well, my answers were I'm a person of color, a lesbian, female, cisgender. It asked things about like your class, um, your age, if you're able-bodied. Um, and then it got me thinking to some some ways I'm privileged I didn't even think about like you know, if English is your first language, you being born in the U um, in America, um, your education, things like that. Um, so I just thought it was interesting because. Um, like Kramer, I wasn't so familiar with it. Well, I was familiar with the term, but I didn't really think about it and how it, like how it um, went along with me and how it affects my work and things like that. But anyway, <laughs> to answer the question about me, um, I'm here because, well, I'm Black and I say a lesbian, cisgender woman. Um, I, um, I got, I'm an activist. I got started into my um, activism because I come from a Southern Baptist family, so I came out. Um, I wasn't, um, I wasn't like disowned or kicked out or anything like that. But I was definitely shunned. I became the black sheep of the family, um, and just 
it was years and years of, you know, it's a phase and just people, non-acknowledgement and things like that. So that was really my um, motivation to get into activism. And then um, once um, I was ready to like settle down with my partner and get married and things like that, I got more involved like legislatively with, um, with bills and fighting for marriage equality. And then once that was passed, I got into fighting for more specific things in Tennessee, like um, um, discrimination when it comes to healthcare and um, housing and education and things like that. Um, so when I was asked about this podcast, um, it would be very interesting to bring that, you know, to it because a lot of times people ask like, or if people say that you're black and that should come first, but when people see me a lot of times, they see that I'm black and they see that I'm a lesbian. At the same time, they look at me and my family, so I don't So that's what I bring. What was the last part? Do you look at your family and what? They, they, when they look at my family, they see, you know, they see my race, but they also see that, or they assume that I'm a lesbian um, because of my family. And so I am, I'm a targeted, or I'm, I'm a target for both reasons. That's real. That's uh, for sure. True. Well, uh, like I said, I um, am an advocate for ex-offenders. Um, and I feel like, you know, you become an ex-offender as soon as you're arrested, you know. Um, so I advocate for those people in prison for better living conditions. Um, but also for, um, you know, the changing of laws um, and legislation that, you know, is, they don't give people or judges any type of discretion uh, upon sentencing, um, you know, people. And of course, people of color, we, we take the hardest hit when it comes to that. Um, so um, I got into it with, um, at 15 years old, I was locked up for armed robbery with two adults. And um, at the age of 16, I was given 10 years. Um, to serve, and unfortunately, um, it was they had just passed these laws in Georgia where they can charge juveniles as an adults, and then it was another bill that was passed um, that would um, it it, it kind of would the judge had to give you ten years or more for anyone for for anyone who gets one of these like what they call the seven deadly sins. So anyone who committed those charges as a juvenile they couldn't give you any less than 10 years, which was mandatory. And no matter what they give you is mandatory. So they could have given me 13 years, I would have had to just do 13 years to the dope. Um, I got out at 26 after doing, you know, 10 years in and then um, I went to Morehouse College. Um, while at Morehouse, I, uh, I started off doing business, you know, majoring in uh, business marketing and then, um, I couldn't find internships. Like nobody would hire me as an intern because of my record. So um, I just decided to change it up to something I probably would be more passionate about because I thought business marketing because I'm just thinking money. Um, but I did, uh, you know, I ended up doing sociology and was able to uh, get internships where I was dealing with kids whose mothers were incarcerated. And so for my last couple of years uh, at Morehouse, um, I was taking kids to go see their mothers in prison here in Georgia. And uh, I helped out with the after school program for children who were 
affected somehow by an incarcerated parent. Um, and so I, I don't know that, I mean, that's just what I'm passionate about. Um, of course, it's not a pretty cause, you know, something that people just throw money to. Uh, so unfortunately that program ran out of funding. Um, and then I just had to go find work somewhere else. And so since then I've been working with this um, uh, university in West Africa and um, aid and assisting uh, kids there um, who don't have the means to attend college and just, you know, giving them a, giving them a chance to attend there uh, by raising money for scholarships. Um, so it's pretty dope. Um, but at the same time, I'm still in touch with people who are incarcerated. I was fortunate enough to just get 10 years. Uh, the two adults I was with only got, they uh, put blame all on me. They got five years and one got boot camp. And wow. yeah, oh, man. Yeah, so it's yeah, it's really adults. Like how old were they? Uh they were 18 and 19, and I was 15. Okay. I mean they were adults. So, you know, they were like first year college, you know. Um, they had graduated from my high school, uh previously graduated, what a year before. Um, you know, um trying to get back around, but um so but I I'm still in touch. Uh, I mean, like, fortunately, I only had 10 years. Um, it's a lot of, you know, did a lot of growing in there. I mean, I became an adult in there, you know, uh, and learned about, like, who, you know, I was, you know, and really was able to, you know, it's a think tank. You know, a lot of people look at it like it's just a warehouse. Um, but you in there with, you know, a, a lot of people who are, you know, like you, they've been through all walks of life, and it's so many things and so many different people you can learn from. Um, and so that kind of helped me grow and mature a lot. And, um, I'm still in touch with them. I said, fortunately, I had got 10 years, but it's some other brothers that I went in there with at the same age, they got 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Some of them are still in there. It's a fellow I'm speaking to now who has 30 years. We went in at the same time. So he's on his last, um, few years now. Um, and so we working on presenting a bill that would, you know, give judges more discretion when it comes to sentencing juveniles um, as adults. And not just juveniles, just anybody, you know, anybody really. Um, and so, yeah, I just, you know, I came from prison, which I feel like that's an institution that, you know, it... it needs to be dismantled? It, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say dismantled, <laughs> but it needs to be, it, they need to revise it because it's like they don't believe in their system. I, I'm still, I still can't get jobs that I really want because of my record. And it's like, you don't, that means you don't believe in your system. If this is considered to be the Department of Corrections, then people should have faith that I'm going to be an upstanding citizen upon returning home. Right. That's I'm still right. punished, you know. Um, so it's just, you know, I've been out 13, 14 years now, you know. Uh, so it's just, you know, so that's just, that's been a struggle. Um, but also, like and I said, felony, I and a felony doesn't like go away. Right. That's not like a, you know, after 20 years, the felony don't really matter. You, do you have a certain amount of time? No, but after your, for a certain amount of time you can put in for, um, it doesn't expunge your record. Like I always have this on my record, but it'll kind of like, they call it rights restoration. So I would be able to, I, I was already able to vote when I came home. 
because I did 10 years to the door. I didn't have any parole, no probation. But, you know, I, I can't serve on a jury. Um, I can't run for public office. I don't have the right to own a firearm. And so that I'm able to have get my rights restored. Um, but that's it. That's it. You know, going from prison, it was like, you know, one institution that, that, that kind of specializes in black men and black women. And I think that's why the, it was so important for me to, to attend Morehouse, which was another institution that I feel like specializes in black men. And I just, I, you know, um, I wanted to get both, both sides, experience both sides of it. Now that's some, um, that is a hell of a story. I've always been deep by your story. I don't think we ever really sat and talk about it. It wasn't a conversation. Trey just been good people, so we just kick it. <laughs> yeah, it's always been a good time. It be like that sometimes, you know? Yeah, so I wanted to ask, and um, I guess, you know, we we go with Daiquiri first. Um, it's like, how, when when you see people saying, you know, Black Lives Matter, and I know you fully and wholly believe that, so that's not so much what this discussion is about, but how how does that like impact you and your like in well let me put it like this when people online say that we should focus on only on black lives matter i'm under the i'm more of the all black lives matter then yes. that's what i like to you know i like to yell that one because a lot of times it gets it gets lost that there are other parts of blackness that are being forgotten be it women, the LGBTQ community, um, just felons. Like, there are so many people that, that, as a whole, yes, we all need to be looked at, but, like, individually, we need to be recognized. So how does that, um, when you see Black Lives Matter or people not treating it more as all Black Lives Matter, how does that uh, affect you? How does that make you feel? Like, how, does that piss you off? It does. It, it's, it's it's real irritating um, because I definitely feel like some people feel like all Black Lives Matter, but there's definitely, and I've seen, I've witnessed several conversations where that's not the case, where it's, it's definitely like all straight lives matter or like all Christian lives matter. <laughs> Christian lives matter. Like, yeah, there's, it's definitely, it's, they pick and choose, people pick and choose like who is, who falls under that umbrella, like like for instance, Tony Day, he he wasn't mm -hmm. not mentioned, and I don't think I heard him at all in national news, um, or um, Lil Wayne and um, Fifty Cent mm -hmm. like talking about black women. I just like like we're talking like we're trying to get you know Black Lives Matter, but then you're like down in black women. I um, heard about that. Sure. <laughs> It's just, yeah, it, 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 it pisses you off. That's, that just sums it up, yeah. Can we take, can we take a moment and talk about that? Like, uh, I don't know all of the details on the 50 Cent and Lil Wayne thing. I meant to watch it right before this and just, I got but, caught up in something else right before. Yeah, I went through, um, I was just on Facebook and I saw um, a post that was like, if you're upset with Gail and Oprah, um, but not upset with 50 Cent and, um, and Lil Wayne, then you're a part of the problem. And I was like, 
Gail, Oprah, 50 Cent, Wayne, like what the hell is going on? Like what, what old rap beef is going on right now? This is, <laughs> it seemed like this was like a younger situation where people want to go off, but after reading the comments and they didn't link an article or anything. So, and then I had to come and prepare to record. So I was reading it and it made the correlation made sense to me at the end of the day, where it's, you're upset with black women who you feel have not addressed um, the community issues and, or have put black men down in, in the greater, um, in, in the media, in the context of, you know, in their context. And in this situation, you have two prominent black guys who are putting black women down and unnecessarily, like, holding yeah. the foot. like there's a difference on a preference and having a preference and having um and, and needing to put somebody down to to uplift that preference right so it, it got me to thinking about like um when people you know you have the people where they can protest but we can't go to the bars you know it's, it's can, the exact same situation right yeah they it's they can like you know you want to let the LGBT community, you gave them uh, marriage equality, but you can't give black people, you know, this. It's like, come, why, why do you have to justify one against the other? Exactly. And for no reason, it's like, they're completely different from each other. Cause I saw that and I was just like, yo, like to me, what it sounded like, it was just like those black men that are mad, they are upset that they were held accountable. And they didn't know how to react to that. They didn't know how to be like, oh, shit, I did wrong. They were like, oh, I should be able to go around, do whatever I want, and y'all still going to be for me. But people are like, hold on, you on some bullshit. Like, <laughs> and then you're like, oh, man, this is why black women can't do this. Black women can't do that. It's like, no, you were wrong. And you... Like, you get excited. Like, I'm just going to use this for example, Trey. You get excited calling people out. Then all of a sudden, Dakri or Shani say something to you. You're like, man, fuck y'all. Y'all ain't want to see me do bad. Da, da, da. Like, no. You kick the dog. That's wrong. <laughs> like, like what are you talking about? <laughs> like, that's not a right thing to do. Like, you got to do better. Yeah. And people don't understand putting down and holding accountable. There's... Yeah stark differences and you don't want it to be a difference because you want to live in a world of a world of privilege slash comfortability where like if anything makes you uncomfortable you think it's wrong and it's not you just gotta do better to be better oh. like it just don't naturally happen like right. you just don't become better and you're like oh i want to be better but don't do anything to be better you're not going that's just not how it works and it just blows my mind that men don't know that more than they do or like either they don't know it or they do know it and don't care to do anything about it and that part that just kills me sometimes and just makes me laugh in a cynical kind of level it's just like dude we're just so dumb like, <laughs> like we need more help than we can even like fathom right now 
Yeah, they, they definitely are like just the learning traits. And I don't think we hold them accountable enough because unfortunately, these are the people who are speaking for us. I mean, that's for us, but represent us, especially outside of America. You know, you travel somewhere like Brazil, Rio, you know, De Janeiro, Brazil, like you, they, all they know is 50 Cent, Jay-Z, Lil Wayne, you know. And so it's unfortunate, like, that's who represents us. But at the end of the day, of, I find it good that at least they see people of color on TV and prospering. But we, as the people, have to hold them accountable because this is like who our kids are listening to. And we don't grow up and just be just like that, especially someone who doesn't have any type of male influence in his, influencer in his life, you know, a male influence. And then he likes 50 Cent. And so he, he's giving birth to a bunch of more 50 Cents, you know, and that's a that's an issue, it, you know. It's it's, it's uh, they're homophobic. There's colorism. It's all that, that that goes on and that's being portrayed, you know. Uh, right. Videos, music, the you know, and it's um, you know, my thing is who who I mean, who do we have to really speak for us? Like who who would you trust when you say, okay, I, I rock with you by ninety percent, bro, or sis, like that? I let you speak on my behalf because I know. You gonna say, you know, pretty much. Uh, you gonna represent the black community well. Like people, level of superstars. But no, sure? I just it doesn't have to be superstar, but just someone that we. It, I think we lack. We have a lack of leaders or leadership, and I, I. I think I guess the reason why I'm asking this question is because like this this protest it happened so fast. You know, everything just came about so fast, like fire just in the spread like wildfire because people had on COVID, whatever, the white people catching on to the movement, all that. And now we're out there marching, but like what are our ads as a community? What are our what are our ads? You know what I'm saying? For the LGBTQ, you know, black for the just the ex-felons, yeah. I don't know, for black women, you know. All that, like, what, what are our ass? I feel like it's moving so fast. We're not able to really give the ass. Um, no, that's real. No, I. I that's hundred percent true. It, it has moved very fast, and but I don't think it's ex, is as simple as a ten point plan. And that's just an example, like you know, um, because this thing did not take it did not come together with 10 points. You know what I'm saying? The constitution got amendments in it. It got all kinds of stuff like layers to it. So it's unfair for the expectation to be, okay, black people, you need to have everything laid out. What do you want? I know you, I know you want equality. So tell me what it is. Put it in a nice pretty package, put it in the bowl. No, this thing is a labor of love. This is something that we're going to have to dismantle piece by piece. We're going to have to look at this layer of stuff. Let's, in, let's look at this. Let's identify it. And people are in, in different subsets are doing that. So, yeah, yeah like um, Kramer and I are work, working within craft beer to right. diversify the industry. Yeah, that's dope. But you don't, you're not going to put that on your 10-point plan. But something for us that's important is it would be, I mean, 
okay, maybe putting this one of my 10 point plans are is a little extreme. Like I have a whole bunch of other black people need this first. Um, and when I say black people, please know all black people. So it will in, include um, every- Everybody. Every, when you say everybody, everybody. It covers everybody. You know, my 10 point plan is gonna be a little something for everybody. It's gonna help, this, you know, my it would help this group and that group. But when you look at those, but this again, when intersectionality comes into play, is not as simple as your 10 point plan, Trey is not gonna look like Daiquiri's 10 point plan. Not gonna look like my 10 point plan. But it's like, what are the things that we can do collectively that will affect us all? Mm -hmm. But without forgetting about the individual, like individual needs, you know what I'm saying? Like it's a very, it's a tough line to walk. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it also helps when people are, like, I think it just people need to see the people that are trying. Like, when I say people are trying, I look at Chance the Rapper. Sometimes he does not get it right all the time. But I can respect his mistakes because he's trying to be better. Sometimes that's in the part of growth. Like, sometimes you make the wrong decision. You're like, cool, that wasn't right. All right, what can I keep doing to move forward? And he's been talking about trans lives and different black women talking about that but you don't really hear it only in the niche like communities but you hear about what 50 cent and little wayne are doing so like to me what that sounds like is like we gotta make the media turn it around too like yeah. so when stuff hits the air it's like no 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 look what chance the rapper is doing what, right. look what uh can't think of another like rapper off the top of my head, but um, someone else that's like really like progressive like that in the music, Toby Nigwe from Houston, he's like that, but like you don't hear that much about him except in certain groups you might run in. But yeah, everybody knows about that. Brianna Taylor, um, yeah, right. yeah, he yeah, just put it out the other day, but you only can't you either like really know when he put it out, or you're like, you're like, Sean, you're like. I heard he put out that song, yes, but like, yeah. if like, imagine if the people they like the media have chosen to like make black people look a certain way, if they put out a song like that and start pushing that agenda, like it could almost be an entirely different ball game. Right. And that's just like my perspective about all that. It's like if we just, I guess, make we put the pressure on the media to be like, no, look at the people that are making moves here. Like, stop looking at Kanye West. And I don't want to change the subject, but like, look at his time fully. Like, why are you amplifying that? But you're not amplifying people making songs about arresting Brown Taylor and Elijah McClain's killers. Why are you not talking about Chance the Rapper saying women aren't doing, are getting treated XYZ while I'm literally just pretty much as a black man outside of racism? I just got to exist or myself. For the most part, for me, I'm a black man, but like, everything else is. In the majority, I'm Christian, I'm a male, so I dominate and I get benefits from those uh, sections of life. Mm -hmm. And I'm heterosexual, so I get that benefit. Monogamous, whatever, cisgender, like all those, I have all those benefits. The only benefits I don't have is the, the quality of race or the equity of race. And so like, it's just crazy to me that like, I have more weight than other people. Some people are more important than what I got to say or are more qualified than me, but I'm gonna get ahead 
And then I just think that's just like society and media just picking and choosing what they want amplified. Mm-hmm. You know? I think that the 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 male artists um who like who could we well to answer your question of who we could um lean on. So I am not um they have a couple people out here that's doing some some big things. The the one thing that I say, I don't have a specific person who I would be like, oh, you can speak yeah. for me. Killer Mike does a pretty good job. Killer Mike, I Killer like Mike does a pretty good bit. job. He has a couple of things. Um, I honestly don't know about his LGBTQ plus record. Like, of, of it's too long winded sometimes. That's just downfall to me. You but say what? He's a little too long-winded. He doesn't make his point. He tries to dig too deep sometimes. We're like, we get what you're saying, but just end it at the first two seconds. I can deal with that. I can say, um, what's his name? Um, The guy that sings classic man, Jadena. I like him. Antonio Monet. Yes. I couldn't think of his name. That's who his name. Sorry to cut you off. That's okay. Like, he be be dropping knowledge. Like, um... I saw a video that he posted. It was several, like maybe even a year ago now, but I didn't about LGBTQ people and like people talking about how it's not, it's Western culture, it's not an African culture. And he just also knows like, I didn't know like about like um, and being African culture and art and how there was a king that was gay and just like, I I didn't know. So he's... I remember that. Right. Yeah. I remember that too. I didn't know that either. That blew my mind. <laughs> I think he became a lot of women, uh, lesbian women's like male crush right then. You know, it was like, <laughs> it was like, okay, you know, you, you, okay, that's it though. That was just a pretty dope. He's dope. Yeah. Listen, I don't care where where it falls. If you are speaking intelligently about the right things, you're attractive, and so that's where he would um he would fall i was like yeah i was like he gets it and when you when somebody gets it you just want to hug them yes <laughs> it's like thank you because it's it's not that you know it, it doesn't seem like a wild concept and different in whatever aspect it may be of you know um understanding trans rights gay rights you know, like parole victims, like if you, if you come, if you come out of prison and you've served your time, why aren't you allowed to come out and be free? Like you said, trust the system, right? We're supposed to trust the system. You know, they want us to pick and choose when we trust, trust the system. Exactly. So you want us to Trust that these people deserve to be out, but trust that we've held back their rights so they don't get to be full citizens and fully commit to their personhood or their, you know, their citizenship or whatever. And then you want to, to like, I, I feel like it's like strings, you know what I'm saying? Like, keep them on strings to make sure that they're not able to first because you, you got 10 years you done became you done read some books you done became intelligent like a lot of people come out with so much knowledge and you know these people are gonna, can be powerful if they came out with full rights right somebody would be in the white house coming straight from jail 
And now if you want to, like, there's things that I won't necessarily, I'm not going to argue about if, like, I'm, do you need to be president? That's a whole nother story. That's something, you know, like, let's, but fuck, Trump is president. The only reason he not locked up is because he got money. That's right. You know, I don't know why Trey did what he did. We're not going to talk about that if, like, that's going to put you back somewhere. But if you would have had some money, you probably wouldn't have did what you did. You know what I'm saying? You wouldn't have, <laughs> you wouldn't have had to worry about it. So people are out here living these, like, doing, they're doing things they got to do to survive. Right. They get caught up, and they want to be, re- I mean, they're, they do their time. They, they put their time in. They get out, and they just want to go back to regular life. That's right. opportunity is not there. Yeah, that's right. How, like, so when we're arguing or not arguing, but protesting police brutality, Trey, like, is it, do you sit there and you're like, man, we really need to be addressing this prison system? Or, you know, do you look at it as a, mm. a gateway? Yes. An add-on or... I think it's a, that's a separate ask when you're talking about rehabilitating uh, or, I mean, rehabilitation, but changing this, oh, you know, changing the system. I think our argument right now is we're not even making it to the police car. We're not even making it to the fucking jail. You see what I'm saying? So that's the issue. We're getting sentenced before, you know, you know, you have instances like Sandra Glenn, yeah, but still, but, you know, we're getting killed in these, we're getting killed in the streets. By people without law degrees, people without college diploma, but they judging you, and because they scared of you, and unfortunately, it's because a lot of them don't come from our neighborhood. From our neighborhoods, they don't know us, so they scared of us. So I think that there needs to be a reform, you know, some kind of reformation in that in the system. So that's what I think that needs to happen first, because I'm fortunate that I was able to make it to prison and do my two years and come home alive. Where right you can't say the same thing, guilty or not guilty, that doesn't give you the right to kill me. Right. Do you think it could be like a trickle down from make from like this movement into the police reform, or does it have to be a separate like we focus on this, then we move to police reform, or do you see like those lines blurring a little bit? Because like we do this in the streets, okay, then it's gonna cause this for prison reform or. I mean, I think we hit it up both ways, but I think the issue with, like I said, with prison reform, this is not dealing with the lives that we are losing before they even make it to prison. That's, I mean, that just, that angers me. You know, it's like, you know, you, this person is getting sentenced before the cuffs are even put on. And sometimes in cuffs. Right. And so that's, that's just, that's sickening. That's, that's a tragedy. Um, And we've had far too many. So I feel like, you know, there can be one group that does something that tackles prison reform, one group tackles this, but I feel like right now what we're angry about, we need to keep that momentum going. It's, it's, it, and we've been going through this for years. It's, it's, but a part of me, I feel like the movement needs to be re-energized and a lot more focused. Where we all stand, all our different groups, because, you know, I'm like, I'm all black everything. Like, I'm, I'm for black people, period. You know, regardless of what you do. I mean, as long as you are, you know what I'm saying, helping the community and you about, we can stand, we stand on a unified front and we make moves, we make this happen. So I think that we might need to just become more focused on, you know, 
what we want. But at the end of the day, I think that that just become more focused on what we want. Um, but kind of going back to like, you know, our ass, like right now it's, it's, it's moving and everything was being documented. It was on the news every day when we were tearing shit up. But now you barely see the protests on the news. You barely see the rallies. So it's a part of me that, because justice will never be served. You kill, you kill, you're killing us in these streets. So a part of me kind of wants the cops to be found not guilty to re-energize the movement. Okay. So that is, no, that's a, like, I don't, okay. I'm trying to see what the fuck I want to say because I, I like, I agree. And I, I get it. I, I get it. I'm with it too. That's what I'm like. Going, right? And yeah, like part of me is like, listen, we don't have to, if these people don't get a, get arrested or get charged or whatever, or convicted, shall I say at this point, we don't have to, like, there's going to be some smoke in the city. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. We're going to see about everybody that want to talk crazy. Okay, right. so the next, they don't get convicted or, yeah, they don't get convicted and mm-hmm. we, there's smoke in the city. Right. What, like you said, what is the, we do need to have some kind of plan of what we're looking for. Um, mm-hmm. I th- those plans exist. There is a plan out there, and right now it is escaping me. But it's a very high—it's a high-level ten-point plan, and that's kind of what it has to be right now. Yes. There's we—we got to dig deeper into what X X Y Z or one two three ten looks like, right? Mm-hmm. But we have to—we—we don't—we don't get the conviction. We tear the city up. Mm-hmm. If they don't like, we we got to continue tearing the city up. Like this is what you know, like. <laughs> the, I don't I don't know if it like will it ever yeah. stop. At what point? If at what point would we be? I, I don't want to use content because I don't want to be that. But I guess like ha- happy, even okay. you know, when do we feel like we would have reached equality? I mean, that's all relative, I think, but. I think that if they get found not guilty, since the white people are paying attention right now, they will see the whole process. Get a they'll get a whole glimpse. They get a glimpse of the whole process of how it goes. We this where officers either aren't getting charged or they're getting charged and let off, you know, for murdering us. So I think that when they see that, they're gonna understand our movement even more, our our, our frustration, our anger. They're mm-hmm. gonna that even a lot more. Like you know, like I said, it surprised me just going to the protest and. White people out there handing out food. Here goes lunch. Here goes dinner. Here goes I everybody does. Yeah, with the unseasoned food. <laughs> walk on to my, they was like, walk on the ice cream truck and just pick out what you want out the cooler. Like, what the hell? So, you know, like I said, so they're listening, you know. And so now it's about what are we saying? Like when when we got on the front line, uh, not the front line, but I was near the front. After we were marching, we reached the intersection. The police blocked us off because they thought we were heading to the highway. Um, I like the people who do. I like when people do that. I'm just not gonna be one of them. You know what I'm saying? But you know, I, I rocks with that. But the police blocked us off. The dude got on the megaphone or whatever. The megaphone and was just like, "White people, come to the front. Use your privilege." 
and white people came running, just running, all the way to the front and kneeled in front of the police and the police. Two minutes later, we, we back moving again. So that's from now. And this is this is this is something we've been, it's been going on. It's been going on. Things are just being documented, but she was being documented since Rodney King. Right. Probably before that. Emmett Till was a, he was in a right. <laughs> open casket deliberately for this reason. You know what I mean? Exactly. So so but when they see this whole process of white people getting off. I think that's going to yeah. recognize us and especially them because then they're going to understand really what we've been going through our whole lives and, and our ancestors have, have, have been through. Right. Our whole system is broken. I like, I am, I, so I'm so tired of not getting justice though, Trey. Like, what is justice though? Well, I mean, getting arrested. So here's my thing. I am not, I don't believe that our society will ever be a violence-free society. I do believe that we need some kind of justice system. Um, I absolutely think it needs to be reformed. Um, and so when we have, when we have people get, when we have people commit a crime and then are charged for it accordingly and within reason and stuff, you know, that would make sense. I'm okay with that system. Mm-hmm. It's not anything that I feel like we just need to be out here free for all and there needs to be some type of law and order. Right. Not, I mean, law and order, not law and order, right? Yeah, I get it. Um, and for, I realized that we on the podcast, I did a small hand, you know, <laughs> small gap, wide gap. <laughs> but <laughs> when we have these when we have these situations like um george floyd happen or whatever i need i need the justice at some point like i'm tired like philando castile he gets shot we see it on camera like he's like i'm going for my stuff pop 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 you know like fuck what what is it what, why wouldn't we not get justice for that how so, you know, at least being arrested in charge and doing your time. That's all I'm asking for. When we have this quote-unquote black on black crime, the reason it does not it does not move me as much is because A, these people are not in power. B, they typically serve their time. When cops are when cops do something, they don't serve their time. They don't even get arrested. They're people in power, so I hold them to a higher standard. And then the black community gets slandered in that and make the victim look terrible. Trayvon Martin and Michael Brown. Exactly. They talk about detention in like seventh grade when they 17 (laughs) years old. I'm like, they in middle school. You trying to use something they did in milk? I'm pretty sure news anchor uh, politicians, y'all were in detention in seventh grade. Y'all not good. Look how y'all acting as adults. Don't sit here and tell me like y'all were good people. They were assaulting women, and so that's when you the intersectionality comes in. It's important. 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 Free to say that That was just who came to mind. (laughs) No, feel free to chime in, Daggery. Like, (laughs) dude, Donald Trump out here just grabbing pussy, and because he feel like he deserving. Y'all like, 
That's my president right there. I'd be grabbing pussy too. Let's do it. I look <laughs> somebody was like, we wouldn't want to grab like what? This is what you want from the president to be saying this though. So, you know, so I'm not looking and so for me, that would be a start of justice of them getting arrested and them them getting convicted, right. you know, following through doing their time, um, an appropriate amount of time that's that's given to them. Um so yeah, I so I I but I feel you on the flip side of it in in well, needing to back because I feel the same way. Would you say Dakar speak up a little bit? I feel him wanting the, the the momentum to pull to pick back up. I feel the same way. Like I want the momentum to stay. I definitely want to stay through November. I want it to like stay alive, you know, until something actually happens because it's being talked about, but nothing's changed. Right. Yeah. I'm tired of talking. Like Marshall and say, I'm about that action, boss. I need action. I like, I, but I, I'm with Trey, though, like 100%. Like, we need to get pissed off again and really, like, put the chokehold on. We were, I felt like we had the chokehold, but we ain't lock it in on this one. We need to lock it in now and be like, yo, you either going to tap in we actually going to see you do something or we're going to keep coming for you. We're going to be at your doorstep day in, day out. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. They, they heard us. They heard us that first weekend everywhere, nationwide, worldwide. They, they, you know, that was a, a beautiful thing. And they felt us. And sometimes you just got to test shit up. I mean, it's build and destroy. Sometimes you got to destroy shit. In order to build, you know what I mean? This system is broken, you know, and I think that, you know, it's just, it, I, I had a, you know, I wasn't going to go out there and bust some windows up. I mean, I think, you know, that's, the world does that, but I feel like everybody serves their purpose, you know, when it comes to, um, you know, protesting or make, ensuring that our voices are heard. You know, I didn't want to look at it like an old man and be like, oh man, y'all don't do tearing up the city, nah, tear it up, tear that shit up. Yeah, right. Sure. They locked up a CNN reporter before they locked up the officers who killed him. You see what I'm saying? So, nah. Yeah. Nah. You you do your job, so we got arrested for work. Right. But they heard us. They heard us that weekend. They yeah. Did. And that's what I'm saying. It's like, we had the chokehold, but we let them out of it. And now we're getting ready to stand back up to square up. It's like, no, put that chokehold back on and make yeah. something happen. Right. I'm not sure we fully let it go though, guys, because there's two things that's happening. Just because the media stopped, now, so okay, the greater, the great large movement isn't happening as much. Things are opening up, people are having to get back to regular life or whatever. But the way you keep the chokehold on them is go is going to vote. Yes. For me, it's not it's not a one, you know, a either or, it's a both and both and. Yeah. So we gotta be out here, like you said, Trey, there's there's different levels to this. So we have to be out here protesting. Mm -hmm. We have to be out here protesting for everybody. And then right. we have to be pro I mean, and then yeah. we have to follow up that pro I mean, then we have to follow up that protest with voting. Yes. But then there's another layer to it that a lot of times definitely black people tend to miss i don't want to say forget because i don't feel like we've been thoroughly educated on it but it's how to hold these politicians accountable 
So if you have been talking about prison reform, if you have been talking about women's rights, LGBTQ rights, like black rights, if you have had those conversations, it's like, how do you hold them accountable? Well, it's calling them out on social media. It's showing up, you know, calling their office. It's showing up to their office. Are they having a, you know, are they having a community meeting? Is there somewhere that you could show your face and get some people to come and be like, nah, player, we ain't forget. Right. You know. We we out here. I get it, yeah. You're exactly right. And I think in the background, we need to educate one another. Um, I think it's so many of us that, you know, we've been damaged from religion, from slave owners, from everything. We are some damaged, we're damaged goods. And we haven't learned how to love one another. So I think on the back end, you know, we need to kind of deal with our mental health too. For sure. We have so many different communities within just, it's so much more than just being black. Like you said, that's why I love it when it was like black and it's, you know, um, there's so many subsets of that. And I think that that needs, they need to be unified. And we don't need homophobics or sexists being our voices. The issue is different people in all groups of us, but for some reason, the loudest be the person who doesn't have a clue. Right. That's that's the realest thing, man. Like, it, it's two things that's jumping out to me right now. So, we had a music artist, which Toby, how do you say his last name, Kramer? Nerigway. That's how I say Nerigway. My bad, dog. That's your name wrong. Right. But Toby, we rocking with you, right? He created this dope video, or I don't know if it was a, I don't know if it's a full video. I don't, I don't know, but I love the song, though. It's an IG minute long clip that is about arresting Breonna Taylor's killer. It's catchy. It's real. Like it's his artistic, you know, expression. Very, um important message then you have these two clowns that they get on you know on tv and they're talking about liking exotic women and putting down black women it's like we we pick up on that mm-hmm. instead of the important piece right yeah and the other one is kind of like um j cole i think we talked about this last week a little bit j cole yes. has yeah had this opportunity and I probably before he released the song I was like man I could really use a J. Cole track right now I feel like he'll put he'll speak everybody's feelings and this nigga comes out with a song that's putting down black women I mean well yes. he's not putting down but trying to um control and censor. yeah there you go that's the word yeah trying mm-hmm. to censor black women and it's like come like, on guys we do we not see the bigger fight? Can we not focus on like this right here? There is no reason we need to be talking about exotic women right now. Right. No reason at all. Anna. I mean, Shay, I, hate, I like, hate that for no name. I mean, but black women are the most exotic women on women on earth. You know what I mean? You don't know what you're gonna get. You know what I mean? We from everywhere. You know, women. They talking about foreign. I want me a foreign. 
foreign, what's getting more foreign than a black woman? <laughs> right. Or we don't even know where we're from. <laughs> right. <laughs> we got to right. pay somebody to tell us what country we're from. We don't even know where right, we're from. That's I it. Know, That's how foreign a black woman is. I'm so nah, man. I don't, I don't get it, man. I do not get it. I don't get it. I expected J. Cole, though. I expected more from him. Wait, you said what? I expected more from him, though. He's one of those people who I always thought that really got it. You know, what's going on, you know. Uh, yeah, me like, too. Oh, yeah, he about to come with some heat. And don't get me wrong, like, the song is dope. And, and upon first listen, I well, first and second listen, I was rocking with it. Mm-hmm. But then as I was telling my wife about the song, I was like, and he was telling this girl to, wait a second, like... Right. You don't like, like her tone. I was like, why would you do that? Like, that's what you want to talk about? And, 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 <laughs> right now? That's what you want to talk about? Yeah, doing these times. Like, that just shows no tact at all. Just here. No class or right. tact. Yeah, but I do respect No Name. She came back with song number thirty-three. She came back with some heat. She didn't let him slide. So mm-hmm. I, I, I appreciate that. She, she now came at her. If you haven't heard the song, song thirty-three, check oh. that out. All right, he comes for him. Okay, No Name, you out here trying to capitalize on niggas that are here slipping. Yeah, I respect indeed. it. No, I love it. I love it. I heard you open up another beer. I did. I did. <laughs> I got to my shrimp tag. Breakfast hero. That's a 9%. Jack, were you still yes. on? <laughs> yes, I'm it on, is. I'm on the, um, this one is the Sweetwater, um, the IPA. The 420? The 420 IPA, yeah. Classic. I got the Imperial Donut. Stout from Trim Tap out in Birmingham. Oh, that shit's good. It tastes like a donut. It's delicious. Found it at Hop City on mm. West End. Well, That's where you might need to go, uh, Trey. If you want, you want to try to stay over in the hood area, go to yeah. Hop City. Okay. Of, um, what's that street? It's off of Shawnee. Oh, right there by West End Mall. What's the Lowry? Is that no? Oh, it's no, kind of. Yeah, it's like right after that one. It's like 52A or something like that. Okay, I got you. I got you. Um, like around that by the, like the, ML, by the MLK. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Over by Monday Night Garage. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, that um, nice little gentrified area. I am drinking, this is two drinks that today I am interestingly pronouncing. So, on a on mas a Jesus. Hey. Oh my Jesus! I'm gonna have my I'm gonna have AC come in here. She can, she can, she can speak Spanish. On mas a Jesus. I don't know, but it's a imperial stout. It's twelve percent. And nice. I took a that's first what I'm talking about. I actually <laughs> took a first gulp, and that was the wrong thing to do. This is your standard. Imperial stout, like boozy. Um, it hits you in the stomach, um, huh? It hits you in the stomach, don't it? Yeah, it's not a gulper. It's definitely a sucker. <laughs> and I fucked around and gulped, and I was <laughs> y'all didn't see my face, but if like you ran back the video, it was like I had a moment. I was like, oh wait, this is. You ever drink like a soda and or something or alcohol, and it's not water, but you drink it like it was water. Yeah, thinking it's water. Yeah. Yeah, that was you be like, oh wait, that was not water. That this is that's what this was. I was 
I was ready to go back. Mm. Mm. I don't know, man. I just um. Oh, I got a question. Go ahead. I got a question for uh, you, Dakar and Shawnee. Like, as I'm learning more about intersectionality, which I wasn't really familiar with myself till about three and a half, four years ago. I think I like growing up. I kind of had an idea of it, but I still very much compartmentalize it. So, like, for me and I'm going to speak for Trey, but how can we as black men help the black LGBTQ plus community? Like, what can we do? Like, can we? Do you need us to just post on social media, speak up? Like, what? Do you see for the, I guess, the majority? Mm-hmm. It could be personal or like really just like mm-hmm. something you want to see from us, like when we speak out. Indeed. I think for the most part, pretty much just speaking up. Um, from what I see, for the most part, like on social media, when I see it come up like in black groups, I see only LGBTQ people jumping to like jumping to educate. So I feel like it's more valid, sometimes more validating when it comes from people who are outside of the community that speak up and say, hey, and educate. Um, so that for me, I think it's like a big, it's a biggie. I want to piggyback on that. You know, y'all ever sat on, you know, been in uh, the comment section or um, in our Facebook argument or something like that. And you have somebody else come in, like let's say you were a white person, black, black person arguing with a white person. And a white person comes in and they start explaining the situation to the other white person. And then you can be like, that I, you can bend your hands and be like, damn, thank you. I ain't feel like doing this. Those are the kind of things we need from not just black men in the community, but non-queer people right. in the community. So I know as black men, that's what y'all, you know, you're asking for yourself. So perfectly fine. But speaking to the audience, it's like, we don't want to have to always fight our fight. Like, if you get it, then stand for us. It's just like, I got this. Like, there's a whole group called, like, the, the White Roundup. I, I forgot the exact name on Facebook. It would be awesome to see something like this for queer people where you can tag, especially if it's, like, a, a public post, you tag the White Roundup, they'll come in and have the conversation and round those people up and get them together for you. So... Having that for me, um, you know, speaking up and not just out, but speaking up is is important. Um, I would say the other piece is actually when you see um, injustices or whatever, it's, it's, it's kind of the same thing we ask asking white people. And I keep equating it too, um, because people tend to understand when you give that, that um, correlation. Gotcha. So when when you have um, some black people or uh, some queer people, let me say this: when when you have um, a queer person, especially a trans person, getting attacked in by somebody or killed by the police, it's like we need to treat that same situation 
like any other black person that got killed by the police. You know, I think there's for sure shares, you know, shares that happen, but there's not an actual um there's not an actual fight for it. There's no you know what I'm saying? I don't know I get it. It's like like their lives are less valuable. I got you. Yeah, I'm with it. I don't know if people don't know what to say. I don't know what it what it is. Cause I mean, even at certain times, like when George Floyd and he goes viral, and then we have another killing comes up, whether it's a trans person or another person, another black male or a woman coming on the back end of that, it's like, damn, we we got another one, and I just don't have the emotional bandwidth to like continue to hashtag people. But they continue to need to be hashtagged, you know. Like, right, right. No, I'm with that. I'm definitely from the part of like I don't know what to say or do, and that's that falls on my ignorance. That's kind of part of the reason why I came up with that question and kind of had that question. Um, I do have an older sister that's uh, bisexual, so like, and she came out to me about a year, year and a half ago. And at my perspective was kind of changed. I kind of like, it's not like I dislike the group, but like, it's just something I didn't associate with. So I was like, I'm gonna let them do their thing. Cause I was like, that's just not the realm I'm in. I do, I apologize for my lack of inactivity and or ignorance, however you want to chalk it up to, that's on me. But like, I do chalk it up to my lack of action in that and so I want to take accountability and try to be there for everyone in the black community from heterosexual all the way down the spectrum and I need that education I need that direction on like what I can do of like whether it's speaking out donating popping up to pride events some of it is making yourself is educating yourself Right. reading an article or something like knowing what is going on um nobody is expecting anybody to become the number one advocate you know what i'm saying to to be on the front lines and throwing yourselves in front of i mean which would be nice don't get me wrong but being edu- being educated on things and actually able to speak on it is helpful um and just showing love man they got people out here that's doing just how you might look for a black owned business Take the time and look for a black queer owned business. Yes. Mm, okay. Yeah, they, they, there's other like there's again intersectionality is marginalized within the marginal marginalized groups within. It's very it's as niche as you can make it to be almost. Yeah. <laughs> like you can you can drill down pretty deep. So, um, but but mm. even to ask the question to want to like help is definitely. A start is mm-hmm. applying that. Right, that for means sure. like you were geared up to you about to add something. I was just gonna say it's, it's very much so appreciated because sometimes you just want to pass the torch like so yeah. <laughs> for Y'all sure. hiring just like somebody who as a, a black queer woman. Oh and there's different layers to there's more you can add on, right? Like there's it's just you you, you sure. Facebook and I'm you know, we we heavy in social media right now, right? So 
you log into Facebook, you see Black Lives Matter. You're like, yes. You look in the comments, there's a white person and be like, all lives matter. Yeah, right. You see a post about women empowerment. And then there's a man on there. It's like, but men need, you know, but women are too. No, we don't. You need to be this, right? Then you got. I think a man says we don't need it like that. Right. Then you got black women (laughs) that are, you know, black women having a movement, black girl magic, and then white girl, some white women. It's like, but all women are magic. It's right. You know what's coming. That's like we get it. That's not what the fuck we're talking about. Like, yeah. We get that part. This is what, but specifically, this is what we're talking about. And I really want you guys to send me resources. Like I'm dead serious about that. Text me. I will. Dagger, I will email you my number. Text me information, articles, things I can read up on, and try to like, like read up on. I was like, even I might want to even like do a socially distanced coffee or beer and like really sit down and talk, so I can get into action and really speak about the action too. So I can do both. I can be about that action, I can speak about that action and then inspire others to do the same thing. Yeah, that'd be awesome. It is cool you posed that question, you know. Uh, I guess I, I was around, you know, just being a customer and I was in small, you know, uh, environments, you know, like I was around just people with, from different lifestyles, of different lifestyles, you know what I'm saying? So, and me. So I would say that, you know, it just kind of, just getting out, um, it was just easy to adapt, especially going to Morehouse, you know what I mean, you know, um, the same thing, you know, just the same crowd, I feel like every time I met somebody at Morehouse, it was somebody, and I was like, they remind me of this brother I met while I was you know, away, and um, and so we automatically would have rapport, just because I would know how to deal with certain people, you know what I mean, or deal with certain people right. in contact with, um, but I can say, um, I feel like at that time, you know, especially going to Morehouse, I was able to, you know, you got a lot of people there who don't know themselves or they're not confident or they're growing into themselves or they're scared to come out or scared to just be themselves because of, of thinking others are going to judge them. So you have other people in there, you know, doing the judging because they're trying to figure themselves out and try to, you know, a bunch of that mess. Uh, but, you know, I always made sure to educate, you know, those people, you know, but um, I think I could definitely do better as far as being an advocate for, um, you know, the, the, the queer community, you know, so, um, so yeah, that'd be cool. Like I said, I'm just glad you posed that question and, uh, you just know. know that an advocate, an advocate is a very, is a strong label. So being an ally is okay. Like an advocate is, I'm going to the to the legislation. I'm going to the legislator, and I'm you know. I'm, I'm for it. Like, why are you playing? Like, like I said, no, no, no. I, I just, I mean, if I'm going to protect her, I'm going to protect her community. You know what I mean? Right, and and that's perfectly fine. I'm just, I'm, I guess I'm just clearing it up. Like, there's there's not that expectation of being an advocate, but we are, gotcha. you know, we do want allyship. Yeah, I just I feel like I've, I've been an ally, and I just but I but the thing is that you know when we do scream Black Lives Matter, we have to ensure that people know that that's including everybody. Yes. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, so I think that needs to be said. We need to have more community. Uh, uh, we need to have more uh, just talks amongst one another. Um, 
and just kind of, you know, and, and educating one another because, like I said, some people don't know. Some people been brainwashed by a Bible. Some people been brainwashed by their dad, by their uncle, by, you know, you just... You, you, Media. <laughs> right. There's you a lot be, that goes into it. Right. You can be a 40-year-old fool or you can be a 20-year-old fool, but we have to take the initiative to make sure that, you know, starting with our children and um, our cohorts, those people around us, I think that, you know, we have to make sure that we have everyone on point because we can't move forward if we're leaving any part of us behind. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. So, um, well, I just want to I wanted to end with this one last last question. First off, that was that was very real. Like we have to make sure that we are bringing everybody with us, because them people, the people that get left behind, that's a reflection on us as Black people, and that's not what we're here for. Um, not interested in leaving folks behind. Right. Um, so I wanted to just kind of end with one question of, you know, dealing with judgment and microaggressions, misconceptions, like what is one misconception or anything you'd like to debunk about, you know, um, queer people or, um, you know, I, I formerly incarcerated. I think that's a better term. I don't want to call y'all ex-cons. Like what's the per what's the proper term? Mm-hmm. Um, ex-offenders. I hear that a lot more now. Ex-offenders. Okay. Yeah. I, I like formerly incarcerated. Yes, that's, I like that one. that's what you were and not who you are. I like so. that one. I'll like <laughs> rock with that one for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what is what is a misconception that you all would like to debunk? If like there's something that you could just tell people, it's like what is I'll say one thing, but what are one things something? <laughs> one things. <laughs> <laughs> And then at twelve percent, kick it in. One thing sounded like it made sense. <laughs> we get you. We get you. One thing I would like to debunk for like the queer community is um, like this agenda, like the gay agenda. Oh my god! Pushing like kids and things like that. Like I wish that growing up, I would have seen like gay parents in cartoons or gay characters in cartoons. Like growing up. All I saw was like on Jerry Springer or like talk shows where they're like, is this a man or a woman? Or like, that's all I saw. I didn't see that any was the 90s, bro. Yes, I didn't see any, right. any professional gay or queer people on TV. I didn't, see, I didn't see families. I didn't see anything like that. So people get caught up in saying that there's an agenda that's being pushed and it's not an agenda. Well, Maybe there is an agenda per se because the agenda is to change the way that it's viewed because we are professionals. We are out here with family jobs. We're not just partying and things like that. Um, right. So I feel like maybe if people looked at it that way instead of thinking like, oh, I don't want my child seeing two people kissing. It's if you want your kids to, if you want to change, you know, the way things are, if you want kids to be more accepting, you have to start early. And so then seeing two consenting adults in a cartoon, you know, that's a child appropriate a, a way of addressing same sex relationships. So I just think that maybe people should think of it that way instead of thinking of it as a You know, a question I asked for people at that time is, you know, when did you what what commercial or what did you see that made you decide to be straight? 
because mm. everybody thinks that like if you put a gay queer whatever character in a tv show or whatever the the kids are gonna be gay and i'm like but what tv show made you be straight did you watch the flintstones when you was young you'd be like i want to be like Fred oh, i want to hit that betty that betty flintstone you had an affinity you know affinity for um shaggy like would you start looking at the dog like what what exactly is going to do it? Or Casper, you out here liking it, like ghosts and shit and spirits. <laughs> like, no. Mermaids, all that. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, come on, man. Cause like, let, let's use common sense. Are you watching TV and like you're starting to get turned on? Is that what, you know, is that what you wanted? But <laughs> Trey, what would, what would be your misconception or? Um, I mean, I feel like I'll just be talking to the choir. I mean, you know, all people. You never know who's listening to the podcast, man. You talking to, you preaching to this choir, but you don't know who out there. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Yes. I would say, you know, definitely, you know, everybody, um, I just feel like everyone has good intentions, um, but you're kind of motivated and changed by the, just the ways of the world. And a big part of it is how you are treated. Um, so, you know, I, I would just say, I guess, the, of course, that's what I was uh, saying just about uh, just knowing that everyone in there has, I feel like, incarcerated or formerly incarcerated. I feel like the majority of them, they do have intentions of right, but like I said, how society are treated, how, society, how the world treats them, how their families and friends treat them makes or breaks somebody's transition back into society. Um, it's, you know, it's one thing surviving. Once you're in prison, you're not scared of prison anymore, you know, because you've experienced it. But now you've been taken away from being out in this free world for so long, you don't know the free world anymore. You know prison. So unless you have people who are going to help you become activated and situated upon your release or before your release, really, then it's not gonna be a, a smooth transition. And then they go back to what they know is, which is prison. So I'm not, you know, they get to the point where I'm not scared to go back there, but they nervous. Like I, I had to force myself to go to restaurants to go eat. I had to force myself to walk inside of a gas station. I had to force myself to go take my driver's license because I was scared every step of the way, you know? And okay. a lot of things I've learned you know, my, you know, the few years before I was released. So I had family and friends to tell me like, yo, like they doing this, now. Like, this was going on. Everybody got cell phones now, everybody, you know, this and things I didn't have a clue about, but, um, you know, you get out and figure it out. And I was nervous. I had a little cushion. I had my family. I was able to see my family. I had my sister, um, we're close in age, but if I didn't have that, there's almost no doubt in my mind I'll be back in there, you know. I'm glad you had it because I wouldn't have had this next transition. Um, and it's it's scary, you know. You, everything is brand new. So many things change. I stood in front of a toilet for two minutes trying to figure out how to flush that motherfucker. Didn't realize it was automatic. I just all I needed to do was back up, you know. And the same thing with the sink. I'm like, what the hell? 
And I just gave up on the toilet and walked away. That shit flushed. I was like, oh, okay. And I get in front of the sink. I'm like, man, same shit. You know, so it's little stuff like that that can make or break somebody's return home. Just something that small where it's just like, I, I'm scared to go out because I look like I'm just new to this shit. But I look like a grown man, but I don't know what the hell is going on. You know, and so that's, I don't know. That's my piece. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, we thank y'all for taking the time to speak with us. But um, just if people are interested in keeping up with you guys, where can they follow you on social media or anything like that? Um, well, for me, I am hip act and the number three on pretty much everything. Um, Instagram, Snap. Hip act. I'm looking you up right now, so I don't forget. Got it. Oh. And what about you, Trey? How can people keep up with you? Um, I'm on Instagram and Facebook. Um, Instagram as Glenwood, G-L-E-N-W-O-O-D, Trey, T-R-E-Y. My name is Glenwood. Anyway, Glenwood is my first name, just like the street here in Atlanta. Uh, I'm the about third. to say, I'm right up the street from you. <laughs> so I'm the third. That's why they call me Trey. So I'm just trying to tie it in so it's easy to remember. So it's Glenwood, Trey, underscore, um, loft P L O F T P, like life of the party. Um, gotcha. And I'm on Facebook as G Ross T R E Y R O S S. Dude, I'd say I never knew your first name. I this <laughs> Glenwood Trey. I thought you just read Glenwood Road, huh? like, <laughs> that's, really that's why I immediately assumed. I was like, oh, oh you two X's for me. <laughs> yeah. Give me some more where that came from. I'm the third, so yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, wait. Is your family from Glenwood? Is this is this stem? Does it have anything to do with the? Area? Honestly, it came from slavery. It came from my my dad's father being an indentured servant after slavery was so called over with, and uh, he never knew his name. All he knew that people called him G, and um, he was illiterate. And um, as he was trying to get jobs, because he moved from South Carolina to Detroit, they asked him his name, and his, his, his slave owner, somebody around there, was named Glenwood. So he just made up the name. I mean, you know, that's what he told him. And so it's just, I'm the third. Uh, he went on to get a PhD, you know. So, oh, so shut up. Yeah, he went on to get a PhD. That's a hell of a story. I appreciate that story. That's fire. Well, y'all are always welcome back Man. on the Swig podcast. We um we hope you enjoyed your beers and are feeling you know pretty good. The the good thing about social distancing is when we end the recording, you are already at your house or wherever you choose to be. So that is a great one, and um we will holler at everybody. Man. Deuces. So much. Thank you so much. Peace out. Lift your glass to the Swig Podcast and keep toasting. Uh. Take a swig.